the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our Gospel reading from the Gospel of St. John in chapter 16, our Lord Jesus Christ gives some absolutely incredible words of sustaining encouragement to his disciples, his beloved disciples. Words that would fill them and keep their peace. And the reason he gave them these words of absolute truth, looking ahead, but also what could be in their lives, the reason he gives them these truths of encouragement is because he knows the suffering that they're about to endure. And they're going to need the light and the glory of the truth of the gospel and the realities of salvation and his presence with them to endure these times. And so we hear his words, and I share with you just a few of them from the Gospel of St. John and chapter 16. Jesus says, a little while and you will not see me. And a little while again you will see me, because I go to the Father. Now this statement that he made, it caused quite a stir amongst his disciples. Some questioning, perhaps a little bit of fear. What do you mean we won't see you? We've been with you so long. And so our Lord speaks into all this that's going on within their soul. And he says, most assuredly I say to you, that you will weep and lament. But the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish. For joy that a human being has been brought into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. The church fathers teach us that our Lord was granting them this word, these words of encouragement and comfort to his disciples based on two upcoming realities in this life that would be extremely hard for them to endure and go through. The first, and we've been speaking about this for the last few weeks, the disciples would greatly mourn and suffer, and questions would arise within them. They would have that crisis of faith that we were talking about when our Lord would be taken from him and go through his passion and be placed into a tomb with his lifeless body. But they would truly encounter joy as he promised, joy beyond what they could ever imagine, when after knowing he was laid lifeless in a tomb, after being tortured and crucified with the Roman crucifixion, there our Lord Jesus Christ would stand before him in fellowship, before them in fellowship once again, completely made new, completely alive, resurrected, and their hearts would be filled with joy. But the fathers also teach us that our Lord was preparing his disciples for life in the final age of this world. The age from the Ascension and even Pentecost when he would pour out his Holy Spirit. The age between that time and when he would then return in his glorious second coming to receive all souls to himself. The time that our Lord Jesus Christ truly would no longer dwell with them as they were used to physically where he was there so tangibly. He was preparing them for this time. He was preparing them. He was also preparing all of us, his disciples today. 
He was preparing them because he knew that this life would be a wilderness journey with him and in him through which his beloved people that he had called to himself and have received him would have to endure suffering, would have to endure mourning. But those who follow Christ, who remain in him all of their days, keeping their face set upon him regardless of what is going on in their life and in the world around them, to them comes today, and to them came to them that day that Jesus spoke these words, the promise of joys that we cannot possibly fathom. For them, every tear would be wiped away. For them, they would be sustained in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. They would be granted a joy, experienced in part now, fulfilled eternally. And there will be nothing left one day, our Lord says, that can rob that joy from them ever again. St. Bede puts it this way. He says, when he added, by the way of explanation to those inquiring of him, truly, truly, I say to you that you will lament and weep, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be changed to joy, is fitting to their condition and to that of the entire church. For this discourse of the Lord is appropriate to all believers who are striving to arrive at eternal joys through the tears and distress of this present time, since they are not yet capable of seeing him fully whom they love. As long as they are in their body, they recognize that they are on a journey and absent from their fatherland and kingdom. They have no doubt that they must reach their crown. The crown our Lord will give us by labors and contests in this life. Their sorrow will be changed to joy. When after the struggle of this present life is over, they receive the prize of everlasting life. About which is said in the song, those who sow in tears, what? Will reap in joy. And we gain further encouragement today from our Lord's words, from our Matins reading, which was just a few chapters earlier in the Gospel of St. John, when Jesus said to his disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will also come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. And once again, even in those words, my friends, we hear the language of a God who desires his precious creation. Who desires his beloved to be with him, to be housed with him, to be joined in eternal union and fellowship with him, where he can pour out every benefit of the eternal kingdom of God into their lives. This is what we hear. St. Cyril of Alexandria and I summarize his teaching for you on this. He says, God has already prepared homes to be gifted to those who love him and remain in him. His creation of these homes show for, shows forth his desire for us. That we may dwell in him in perfect joy and peace forever. He wants to bestow this upon us. And so they are receiving this day, the disciples, and we are receiving this day, these words of encouragement of what lies ahead in the kingdom of God also manifest on the earth. But let's remember why. Because he was undergirding them with strength. 
to give them a place to set their focus, their heart, their life, their existence as they would journey through this world that would indeed hurl sufferings at them that would cause their souls, their bodies, their emotions mourning. He was fully aware of the human condition that they had and the results of the fall of mankind in this world. He knew the struggles they would face until he would come again. And so he's putting before us today a vision of that eternity, a vision of the kingdom of God manifest now for us to absolutely engulf our, let engulf around our lives, to be ever surrounded by it, so that we will be granted stability, unshakable stability, and peace beyond reason, no matter what is going on around in our lives and the culture that is around us. And he knows that this is only attainable when his people fix their eyes upon him and his kingdom and that alone. Otherwise, the winds of this world will blow us and shake us and our knees will quake. We will be weak and we will mourn unhealthily in this life. Let's look at just a few types of suffering that our Lord knew we would all go through in this life and the disciples that he was talking to even then. He knew that we would face all sorts of human suffering in the fallen condition. He knew we would suffer in our bodies from illness, from disease, from surgeries, from aging, that we would suffer in our bodies. He knew this. He knew we would suffer in our emotions in this world from all the sorrows that we have to deal with or that have been placed upon us by the evil acts of others. He also knew the suffering within our soul that we would have to deal with. The daily round of constant temptations that he knew full well for he endured every one of them. But unlike him, he knew that we would give in to them. And that we would damage and burden our conscience. And it would bring damage to our soul. And the, the diminishing of peace and joy in our lives that he wants to offer through his kingdom. He knew this. He also knew that his church would suffer. As it exists within cultures and nations that move further and further away from the orders and the virtues of God, just as our culture is doing in this present day. He knew this. And by the way, this is nothing new under the sun, my friends. Oh, it's in our face more than it ever has been in our culture, in our nation, but it is nothing new. By the way, no one creatively sinned. All this has been around forever, but we're facing it now. And he knew that we would face it now. Cultures that become enslaved to the human passions, becoming cultures of self-definition, where everyone becomes their own God, which means everyone determines who I am, what I am, the order of all things created by God, marriages and the like, they become God's. But again, this is nothing new under the sun. It started in the garden. It started in the garden when Satan went to Eve and said, no, you become like God your own way. And this is what we see happening in our culture. And it can be so disheartening. It is disheartening. It's disheartening for me. It can be so disheartening for us to see this happen and happen around us at all times. But if we have the heart of Christ, we don't snarl with pharisaical judgment and disappointment and shame at those who are falling deeper and deeper into the culture of darkness and sin and death and absence of God. If we have 
the heart of God within us, our souls respond with holy mourning over the condition of what we see happening all around us. And it drives us, it moves us to intercede as a kingdom of priests, to take this culture and place it before God, knowing He alone can introduce Himself to the souls of all humanity. He alone can reveal Himself and His love and His glory and the blessed order that He can bring to their disorders. And so we pray from a holy morning over what we see going on around us. And it drives us, the same compassionate heart of Christ within us, drives us to live as citizens of the kingdom of God only, reflecting the glory of Jesus Christ in our lives, that they may see the order of God. That which brings peace and restores them from the chaos that they're currently our Lord Jesus Christ knew that his people throughout history would suffer persecution from nations that would not tolerate, tolerate the Christ who dwells within them and within his church. Our nation at present is becoming more and more less tolerant of Christ and his people, more so than I've ever experienced and seen in my lifetime. Perhaps this is causing you, like me, sometimes some unrest in ourselves and our emotions. A bit of fear, a bit of anger, who knows? Our Lord knew we would be suffering these things, and don't forget something. When Christ's people are persecuted, Christ's people are not persecuted. Our Lord Jesus Christ is being persecuted. Or don't you remember what he said to blessed St. Paul on the road to Damascus, when St. Paul had been persecuting his people and Jesus says, why? he doesn't say, why do you persecute my people? He says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Our Lord knew we would face this, but he wants to show us where to set the gaze of our soul to make our dwelling place all the days of our life so that we would enjoy the sustaining experience of his strength, grace, and joy no matter what's going on around us. And I could go over so many other things he knew that we would suffer in this life. But his word comes to us today the same as it came to the disciples on that day in those things we have read and heard read. And if we read a little further in the Gospel of St. John in chapter 16, we would hear our Lord Jesus say these words. These things I have spoken to you. What things? The joy promised to you. The peace I offer you now in the midst of this world. The mansions that I have built for you. That I welcome you to beyond this world so that you can come to me and be with me forever. A place where there will be no suffering. He's saying, these things I have spoken to you. That in me you may have peace. We could stop right now. And the whole word to us today would be those few words. In me you can have peace. There is in nothing else that will bring peace, restfulness to the soul of man, but someone who is in Christ and Christ is in them. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, he says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You and I, every moment of every day of our lives, we will have a decision made as to where we're going to cast the gaze of our soul. 
We can cast the gaze of our soul like blessed St. Peter who is struggling. We can set our eyes on the blustering wind and the storms and the waves that seem to threaten everything within us, including our lives. We can set ourselves on all of those things, all the things that stem from the disorders and the passions of the world outside of the kingdom of God. And should we set and keep our eyes on them, we will drown. Every part of our existence will drown. Or again, like blessed St. Peter, we can fix our eyes on our Lord Jesus Christ and fix our eyes on his kingdom, who's overcome the world, which he proclaims about his kingdom, that the gates of hell will never prevail against. And as we set our sights on Christ and on his kingdom alone, he will sustain and be our peace in all of the rockings and quakings of this life and in this world. And he will grant us in the kingdom of God and will remain in him and in his kingdom. He will grant us a foretaste now of the joy and the peace that is fully to come when we fall asleep in him or when he returns. You see, that really is what must become the Christian struggle in times like these and all of our days. To let Christ and his kingdom so completely envelop every part of the fabric of our existence. So that we are no longer rocked. We exist in this world as foreigners, never citizens. We make ourselves so completely citizens of the kingdom of God alone. And there is the, is the giving of strength, his stability within our lives. My friends, I tell you this. You hear it in the video qualm. For God's people who make God and his kingdom their everything. They are filled with the water of life that proceeds from the temple, the altar. And everywhere that water goes. Those who are in disorders become reordered. They're made anew. The souls all around us that are in catastrophic anguish and danger. The souls around us need to experience the Christ and kingdom within his church. Every time cultures go south like ours is, look at it. Where you see the church being faithful, God is most glorified and experienced. The hope of all things is in Christ and his kingdom, and he wants to cast our gaze towards him at this time. For Christ is risen. Indeed is risen. Christ is risen. Indeed is risen. Christ is risen. Indeed is risen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.